science fans, it's Mrs. Corbett here, and I'm going to teach my husband some GCSE science. And I am husband. Hi, husband. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. What's going on? Um, I mean, every single second that we're talking, so much respiration is happening. Do you know what? I've, I've been feeling really respiratory lately. Loads of respiration happen. Loads of digestion happening. I'm not congratulating you. Stop being so lazy. Do something else. <laughs> it's not me. It's my enzymes are just going mad. My mitochondria is going nuts. All my chlorophyll. No, hang on. I haven't got chlorophyll. You are looking a bit peaky. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing today? Uh, enzymes. We Enzy- doing enzymes. Enzy- well, we're doing enzyme actions and food tests. Okie dokes. Because they... No, we'll just do enzymes. We'll just do enzymes. All right. Yeah. Okay, so enzymes. Tell me about enzymes. Enzymes break down things. That's not a science way to say it, is it? No, they are biological... Oh, biological catalysts. Yes. To speed up chemical reactions. Yeah, they catalyze... um, Catalyze? Catalyze? Catalyze. Yeah, they catalyze your uh, digestion, which is a breaking down of large molecules into small molecules. You also use them for other things, so you'll you'll, uh, find out about enzymes when you do about DNA replication, um, uh, protein synthesis... um, genetic modification there's enzymes used everywhere and enzymes can stick things together or break them apart they're really cool i like to think of enzymes as like little aggressive (laughs) pac-mans all right (laughs) okay so let's talk about some keywords so it's worth noting the way enzymes work is a hypothesis or a theory because obviously we can't actually see them like properly do the thing so it's a it's a theory at this point sure and it's called lock and key hypothesis okay do you remember lock and key hypothesis no, but I did watch Lock and Key on Netflix. Season one's really good. The rest isn't very good. Is this a thing? I don't know if you're joking. No, it's a thing. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, Lock and Key hypothesis. Yeah. Okay. So you need to know how you need to know the three types of enzymes in uh-huh. digestion, which are oh, um, chi- carbohydrates. Yeah, break down starch into sugar. Proteases break down proteins into um, into um i've forgotten amino acids amino acids and then lipases break down fats or lipids into i forgot that one too glycerol and fatty acids glycerol and fatty acids yeah okay so an enzyme if we're looking at an enzyme if you imagine a pac-man or for those of you that are not born in 1970 something pac-man it looks like a circle with a pizza slice taken out of it okay imagine that is the lock Okay. Uh huh. And his mouth. Everyone should know what Pac Man is. I mean, I think so. I don't know. And we're wildly older than we think we are. Yeah, but Pac Man's iconic. It's like saying Mario. Mind you, there are still Mario games, aren't there? Yeah. That... Everyone knows what Pac Man is. Okay. If, you, if you don't know what Pac Man is, guys, just Google it. Yeah. Um, okay, so Pac Man, his mouth is the active site. Okay. Also, the lock. Right. Okay. Um, things that Pac-Man eats and breaks down are very specific. He only eats and breaks down molecules that fit exactly like a key to a lock. Okay. And they are called substrates. So he will only break down specific substrates. So for example, if I am a carbohydrate like amylase, I will only be able to fit in my mouth starch molecules that I can break. Sure. Does that make sense? Yep. So every lock has a specific key. The keys are called substrates. The locks are called active sites. 
The keys are called substrates. The locks are called active sites. Yes. This seems really like um, like basic. Mm-hmm. Like as as scientific hypotheses go, it, they've kind of guessed, haven't they? Because it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. It does. You might also have to do like word equations for this. So you might have to have like starch, arrow, um, like glucose, etc. Just to see, you know, because we mentioned that earlier. But yes, essentially. So key things to know about um, enzymes is, is they are catalysts, which means they don't affect the chemical reaction apart from the rate. So they don't like get involved. They just speed it up. We could digest things, but it would take years without enzymes so the good thing about enzymes is is once a substrate has locked on has bound to the active site Mm -hmm. we call that an enzyme substrate complex just for good language and fun sure once it's locked on it was a what substrate complex enzyme substrate complex okay complex relationship Uh okay um breaks down the substrate then is broken and so it leaves the active site it no longer fits that enzyme can then be reused and used again so the good thing about enzymes is we they keep being used again and again and again. Um, they become slow, or the rate of enzyme action becomes slow when all of those locks are taken up. Right. Okay. Um, and that's when we tend to see a plateau in their rate. So what students need to know is things that can affect the rate of enzyme action. So how quickly enzymes can break down substrates. Okay. Can you think of things that might affect... How quickly, things that might affect how quickly an enzyme breaks down a thing. How quickly an active site and a substrate, hang on, I'm just saying words now. How quickly the rate of the reaction occurs, how what might affect that. Well, I'm going to go with heat, temperature, that's always one. Why? Because the hotter it is, the more energy you have. No? Yeah, to a point. Okay, so what? So more energy, how would that help? Um, particles move faster. Yeah, so how would that help? I don't know. How would, that, how would heat help Pac-Man? How would heat help Pac-Man? <laughs> His dinner would be warm. Um, <laughs> I, I have literally no idea. Okay, so usually we say the rate of reaction is increased because particles move faster, therefore they collide with, oh. with like greater energy, so they're more likely to react. So with enzymes... So if Pac-Man's moving faster, he's going to chomp down more bits kind of thing. Yes. However, they are they are biological catalysts. So they have what we call optimums. Sure. So too hot's bad. Too hot is bad. Yeah. So when it comes to temperature, faster particles because they're warmer is a good thing because we get more collisions. We get more enzyme substrate complexes made more frequently so that it gets broken down quicker. So enzymes still work when it's really, really cold, but because they're not moving very fast, the process is really slow. However, if you move up to a temperature that is too high for those enzymes to work in, what happens is the proteins in the active site get like deformed and then their mouth can't put in anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then they, they do something called denaturing. Students might fail on getting the mark for that if they say die or kill because they don't die. I mean, they will at a certain temperature, but usually they get so warm that the active site becomes deformed and the substrate can't fit in it, so it can't the, get the broken lock, down. The key doesn't fit the lock. Yeah. yeah. There will be a perfect temperature for enzymes uh-huh. 
to be working efficiently, quickly, and that is called the optimum temperature. And each enzyme has its own optimum temperature. You wouldn't believe, you wouldn't guess what the optimum temperature of enzymes in the human body is for most of them. Is it 37.6 degrees? It's a little bit higher than that. It's just below 40, uh-huh. 40 degrees. Um, you do the washing in this house, don't you? I do. Um, and most of the biological uh, oh. detergents we use work best at 40 degrees. That's true. And if you go above, they don't work. So optimum temperature is normally just below 40 degrees. But if you go too far above that, they denature, which is why keeping the human body at a constant temperature is so important. When babies get fevers above 41, 42 degrees, they can have convulsions um, because it, it can kill you. You, it, you can literally denature your enzymes by getting too hot, which is why it's so important to keep yourself cool in um in hot temperature and why it's important to keep yourself warm because if you don't keep warm enough the enzymes don't work quick enough and you need enzymes for like respiration and things okay interesting yeah Um, that's one thing that can affect the rate yeah the other thing remember (sighs) Um, about the stomach ph ph fantastic so each enzyme has its own optimum ph and the windows either side of that are insanely narrow so you will denature the active site. just imagine he can't denature the active site within a really narrow window of its ph okay so for example trypsin pepsin renin they all like low phs hang on trypsin pepin and renin they are found in the stomach low phs yeah whereas amylase in your mouth amylase breaks down protein no breaks down carbohydrates Mm -hmm. into starch and sugars it breaks down starch into sugar yeah yeah um and and that's i I believe slightly above neutral so slightly alkaline but only moderate 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 Uh um so each enzyme has its own small window so i mean that's it for enzymes it's very short it's a case of lock and key hypothesis and the key the key thing for that is active site specific substrate enzyme substrate complex that's when the sub the lock is in the key key is in the lock duh. and then it breaks down and that active site is now free to be used on another substrate okay uh active site that's the the lock the pac-man mouth mm-hmm. specific substrate that is your that is the um thing that the enzyme is breaking down when they come together, that is a substrate complex. Enzyme substrate complex. Enzyme substrate complex. And then it's free to be used again. Mm-hmm. And what two things affect the rate of enzyme action? Temperature. Yep. There is an optimal temperature. And pH. Mm-hmm. And they are different for all enzymes. Some will be the same, obviously, but they are, they are very specific. And what happens if you go above a certain temperature or pH? Well, I can tell you one thing, Mrs. Cool, but the enzymes don't die. The last thing well, they would do if you got hot enough. They denature, which means that they're kind of the active site becomes deformed. Okay. Yeah. So you know, remember how like the osmosis one was one, and the microscopes was one. This is one. So the the activity is called investigate the effect of pH on the rate of reaction of amylase enzyme. Oh, okay. Yeah, this, this, this sounds like your water and your potato. Exactly. So your independent variable, independent the variable, variable is the, the one, one you change. change, is the pH. That's been stuck in my head for a week. It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, imagine having me for a lesson every day. The dependent variable well, is the, the one, one you measure. measure. And on here, it's the rate of enzyme action so right. how quickly the enzymes work so what you would do is it's called a continuous sampling technique okay because you're continuously checking the sample so you would take the time taken to completely digest starch solution 
um, a solution of starch using amylase. Okay. Um, and so a do range you, do of you different pHs. Like, do you just have like some amylase that you can use? Yeah. Like a bottle of amylase? Yeah. And then there's a bottle of starch solution? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty well, the cool. The starch solution is just a powder and then you mix it up to different concentrations. Okay, right. Like making... So you've got your starch solution in a test tube? Yep. Yep. And then you've got your amylase and you put... How do you change the pH of the... Oh, so you would use a buffer solution to change the pH. Of the starch solution. Yeah, so you would put the starch solution... You'd make sure it's all at the same temperature. That's a control variable. Uh-huh. Because there's, there's a version of this where you do it at different temperatures. Sure. So, so you would use water baths. Um, that would be your independent variable is the one you change. Exactly. But this one we're doing pH. Exactly. So you, you might want to use a water bath so they're working at their optimal. So say let's set up... You set up like four water baths. We te- test four pHs and the water baths are all at... 38 degrees just to make sure they're working quickly okay Mm -hmm. so i would have four buffer solutions i might have ph 5 ph 6 ph 7 ph 8 that's quite a nice range Uh um and what we do is we put two centimeters of starch by the way it doesn't matter when you're writing a quantity in your exam just write one (laughs) okay two centimeters of starch solution in each four test tubes sure okay then we put a centimetre of buffer, five solutions, six solutions, seven solutions, eight uh-huh. solutions. So they're all now at different pHs. Sure. Okay, and we take our first one, our pH five. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would get a spotting tile. Do you know what a spotting tile is? I do not. Uh, it's like a little tile with dimples in it, 12 dimples in it. Oh, yeah, like a palette. Yeah, like yeah. a palette, yeah. And what I would do is I would drop a blob of iodine in each one. Okay. Because what iodine is, iodine goes black when starch is present so we're going to do food tests okay it goes black when starch is present um and so if i was to put a blob of my starch solution in there it would go black sure okay if sugar is present and no starch it will stay that orangey yellowy browny color and amylase breaks starches down into, into sugars, sugars. Okay. yes so what we're doing is we are putting our amylase say two centimeters into our ph5 starch solution we start our stopwatch and every, say, 20 seconds, we're going to do a blob into our Iodine. spotting tile. Right. Okay. And we are going to time how long it takes for it not to go black anymore. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, you put it into a different dimple. Different dimple every time, yeah. Um, and obviously, if it's denatured or it's not breaking it down or it's going to take longer, then we're going to have more sure more spots but it will happen eventually yeah so uh, not necessarily it might not um and then when we get to our optimum ph um it will happen much much quicker so we will then get the we'll get no color change to black much much quicker and we can plot that on a graph what is the optimum ph for amylase oh i don't know off the top of my head i was like it's quite it's it's, oh cool it's slightly alkaline i can't remember doesn't really matter you'll get given data or you'll be asked how to do it all right awesome that's simple enough yeah it is quite simple yeah, I'm getting the impression that all scientific experiments are basically the same. Yeah, it's called the scientific method. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. That's easy. Yeah. Enzymes. Yep. What's next? Uh, food tests. A quick one. Oh, okay. Are we going to use the scientific method? Yep. That's right. I know what that is now. Boom. Cool. See you later. See you later. Bye. Bye.